Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Beyond the Self podcast. It is I, Africa, and it's 1am. It is 1am, but I feel so full of life. I think it's because I took a late nap, a very late nap. Um, So I'm very awake. I have my Zimbani tea right here. Clink, clink. Um, And I'm really excited about this one. I'm very, very excited about this one. I'm not sure exactly what the title is going to be, but you can see it. You can see it. What I wanted to explore, and maybe this is what it's going to be, is are other people entitled to how you use your voice? Something else that I was also thinking when I posed that question was, are other people entitled to your worldview? So there are so many things that fall under this, but it all ties into entitlement, which is what the previous episode was all about. And if you have not listened to that episode yet, which is titled The True Cost of Entitled Behavior, I would highly recommend starting there. But if for whatever reason you choose not to listen to that and you want to just go ahead and finish listening to this one, it's okay. Um, You will still get an idea of where I'm going with this conversation. It's still going to make sense. But like with all of my podcast episodes, they do build on each other. Um, So to really get the most from this episode, I highly recommend going back to the previous ones, even starting from the beginning, if you haven't done that already, even with the titles where you think "Mm, that doesn't really resonate with me. Just trust that there's something in there that is going to be useful. But today we're just following those threads of entitlement. And I wanted to start by giving a definition of what entitlement means, because this is something that I like to do just so we're all on the same page here. So the definition of entitlement is a personality characteristic based on the belief that someone deserves special treatment or recognition for something they didn't earn. And that's the definition that we're working with today. But I I would just recommend exploring that subject in general, because there's so much that falls into it. And in this particular episode, we're just going to be riffing a little bit because I, I just have so many thoughts that have come to the surface, new information that I've come across in the past couple of hours, a Instagram post that I did a few days ago that has really just been on my mind that I want to share and sort of expand on a little bit. I also have a brilliant, brilliant question that was shared by a listener who I will call H. And if she's listening right now, she would know who she is. She sent me some of her sort of personal observations on entitlement and some of the things that she's experiencing in her pregnancy and giving birth and being a woman, et cetera, and feeling like she can't speak about her own subjective experience because she doesn't want to offend. She she doesn't want to step on anyone's toes, et cetera, which is something that I'm starting to hear a lot about because when it comes to conversations around gender and sex, there is a lot of tension around it. Even with a lot of my friends who are trans, a lot of my friends who are just part of the LGBT community, a lot of my friends who are professors who work in gender. Um, I have so so many family members who work for the NHS, for example. Um, and these are very real conversations that are starting to happen. And I think they, I think they do. I think we need to be having these conversations. But because sex and gender is a very hot button topic, 
at this moment in time, as I sit here recording this, um, there are so many people that just don't know how to navigate those conversations. So there is a lot of self-censorship happening from the everyday person to just actual medical professionals. And there's a lot of language that is changing. And I think shifting the way we speak about certain things and trying to be inclusive is very fucking important. I really do. But I also think sometimes we can take things to the extreme where we're no longer working with even the same definition, but we're trying to have a really serious and important conversation. And you now have people that feel that they can't even speak about their own subjective experiences in case they upset, et cetera, et cetera. So this is something that has so many layers and we couldn't possibly cover all of it today. But I really appreciated the email that I received from H because it reminded me of my own personal experience, which I had, which I'm going to share in this episode. But she also posed a really powerful question that I'm just going to work with off the top of my head, nothing has been written around this. I want it to be as organic as positive thoughts. Um, So that's kind of an idea of what we're going to be doing today. So I hope that you can stay with me and just muse with me a little bit. And hopefully you get something from this that you can actually, you know, work with and take away and maybe think about, or maybe it's just going to be nice to fucking listen, right? Maybe you're driving and you just need a distraction or you're doing your washing or, something or taking a little break away from the little kitties, um, whatever it might be, I appreciate you staying to hang out with me. Okay. And before we get into all the juicy stuff, if you could just take a moment, even as I'm speaking right now, if you're listening on Spotify, go onto this podcast and just give this podcast a rating. If you have not done so already, it's literally too clicks off your your beautiful fingers um because it really does make a difference and so many of you have already rated the podcast which I'm so thankful for because again it's a seemingly small thing to you but on this end um where things like analytics do actually matter because they allow me to understand how many people are actually actively listening how many people are actively engaging but it also allows other people to to get um an idea of what the social proof actually looks like. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could just take a moment as you listen or when you can to just rate the podcast, leave a quick little comment on Apple Podcasts if you feel to. Um, And I'm very, very, very thankful. So let me just have a sip of my, um, of my Zumbani tea. Uh, It is such such a beautiful tea handpicked by my mama from Zimbabwe so it just tastes even better because of that um I actually wanted to start just by giving you a little uh update of my past week so my main focus right now as you will probably know is writing 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 so that I can finalize this proposal Um, so that hopefully it can be done by the end of this month so that we can start the next part of the process, which is the kind of more exciting part, if you will. Um, So a lot of writing at the moment. And the main thing I have been doing is just leaving my house to actually get the writing done, because we really do underestimate how 
environment can trigger so many different things. So for example, my home is my absolute sanctuary. The moment that I am turning the key, to be honest, not even before I turn the key in my door, the moment that I just see the exterior of my house, there's a wave of calm that just flows through me. I'm always so excited. <laughs> I'm always so excited to get back home because it just feels like such a sanctuary for me. It is so calm. It looks exactly how I want it to. It's so cozy. It's so comfortable. So my home just triggers relaxation and calm and napping and my tea rituals and cooking and putting my projector on the wall and watching a movie. So there's just relaxation. So I've been procrastinating quite a lot or, or, let me self-correct. Procrastination is has become a friend um, in the past six months in relation to getting this fucking proposal done. And it was quite serious a few months ago until I had a breakthrough and then I had the title and then I had the chapters and I knew what the journey is going to look like, but I was procrastinating big time. And this sanctuary of mine didn't make things any better because it just triggers me to want to relax so I can sit at the table I can get a bit of work done but I'll just get distracted pretty easily so changing my location to write has been huge again those simple things that make a huge fucking difference and I'm in an area where there are just little nice cute um locally owned uh, small businesses, little cafes that I can just go into and write. So I found this one. I found it a few weeks ago. Um, found it a few weeks ago here in my area where I live. Um, I'm all, I always have to be so careful to not say where I <laughs> to not say where I live. Here in my area where I live, found it tucked away in a little muse, and it's just perfect. So what I've been doing is that. Every day between 10 and 12, I will go there and I will just write. So it's becoming a little bit of a rhythm that if I'm there in this place, I just write. If I can get a good 40 minutes, I designate two hours. But if I can get a good 40 minutes, even if I get one fucking line on the page, then I have done what I need to do. So changing my environment has been really important, actually. And I don't know if I've spoken about this in previous episodes. Um, maybe I'll do something, an entire episode on this, actually, because when I work with my private clients, that's a lot of the of the actual work that we end up doing just really because I work with people to essentially do it's it's identity based. So we do look at things like environment. How does your environment influence your your identity and your sense of self and what you think you're able to do or what you don't think you're able to do? Right. Um, so it's it's very interesting if you would like me to do something on that, because, again, it's so fascinating, the psychology behind environment. If you would like me to do an episode on that, let me know on Instagram or let me know by email. Hello at Africabrook.com. And if enough of you are interested, to be honest, I'll fucking do it anyway. <laughs> but if enough of you are like, yes, Africa, let's 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 have this um, podcast, then I will I will make it more of a priority. But that's something that I'd love, love, love to speak with you about. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of been happening. The book, the book, the book. I've also been dating a little bit, but oh my goodness, I'm really trying to not let my ego get in the way, but dating apps are just, they're just 
a, a headache. It's not the people on there that are a headache or anything, but just for me by design, it's just exhausting. It's just exhausting. And it makes me behave in a way that's quite unnatural. Um, that feels unnatural for me. Just the disposability nature of it, the kind of swiping, you have a few seconds to decide on something. And I observe within myself as well that it, I, I find myself sort of really picking very small things that will make me X on someone. And they could be very shallow things just based on how the person looks, or it could just be a word they said. And, it, you know, consciously, I know that's, that's, that's not enough information to be able to discard someone in such a way. Um, and I'm aware of all of these things, but again, by design, these platforms make you behave in a certain way. And at the same time, you know, I do hold the the understanding that they are very useful. They can be very effective, even though I've watched the Tinder swindler. <laughs> they can be very effective. If you have seen the Tinder swindler, then, then you would agree with me on this. So I understand that they can be very effective, that you can meet wonderful people, um, the person that I'm seeing now, he, you know, he's, he's lovely, he's funny, he's hilarious, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I'm still not allowing my ego to get in the way. I'm still being as proactive uh, about my dating life as I possibly can. I'm releasing that entitlement from myself um, and I'm just making it, you know, also making it fun, but I, ugh, I, I can't be fucking, I can't be bothered at the same time. Um, so there's that. But okay, enough, enough of that. Enough of the book and the dating. Shall we dive into <laughs> shall we dive into the episode properly? I think we should. I think we should. And remember, for this episode, there aren't any specific steps that I would put forward for you to take. You'll be able to find those steps and those lessons just in conversation. I'm kind of going to be riffing with this one. Um, because it feels like the like the thing that that's um the thing that I want to do and the thing that will sort of hold these topics better. And it is a continuous conversation. It's a continuous conversation because the more that you share with me, the more that I also explore my own ideas, the more that I sit with things, which is something that I like to do. I don't just like to put things out there for the sake of putting them out. Um, then I can really come up with specific things that would be useful to you. So I'll go back to what I was saying in the beginning about, you know, and this is just one area that I'm going to be using in a, as an example in this um, in this episode, but it can be applied to so many things these days because, I, and I've said this so many times, but one of the saddest things about what we're seeing play out culturally is that our intimate lives have been so heavily politicized. You know, there was a time where division could be felt in relation to politics but it didn't seep into every single area of our lives, of our friendships, our romantic relationships, our sexual relationships. Our, and, you know, you, you have those people that are off the thinking everything is political. OK, I don't actually agree. I think everything can be politicized, but I don't think everything is inherently political. I just don't. Um, but we are at a time where everything is being politicized. So. Gender and sex, the conversations around sex and gender are one of those areas where it's heavily, heavily, heavily politicized, but not even just in, in the context of actual politics, 
but just in how we navigate each other as men, as women, as females um, and males, right? And and all of the people that identify or don't identify as such. There's just so many, so, so many eggshells that people have to sort of be looking at before they can even have a, a, a conversation, a logical conversation or to ask questions or to say, hey, I don't quite understand that or to point out contradictions, right? So in this email that H sent me, as I was saying, you know, her own birth journey and talking about either the joys of motherhood or the joys of being a woman or whatever else you would associate with motherhood and birth and being a woman um, in the context of a woman that is pregnant. So many things that in reading it, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is really where we are. This is really where we are now, where you have people that believe that I actually can't share my own subjective experience because it might upset other people. And that, for me, there are many other areas in which I, I draw the line, but that is also where I draw the line for me. Because your subjective experience is your subjective experience. You get to talk about it. You get to embrace it. You get to you get to say, hey, this is what I went through and this is who I am and this is how I feel about this and this is the you know connection that I have with other women that have also been through this. And you can still, you can still declare all of those things and hold all of those things as sacred and hold all of those things as your personal truth because that is. And still understand that being inclusive is important, that within the right context, within very specific context, it would make sense for you to refer to everyone else or to expand the conversation that you're having. But if you're talking about you and your experience, you get to do that. You you get to do that without apology. And this is something that I've heard so many times because I do have people that are whether people that I have personal relationships with or people that are part of my my audience that are in the birth community or people that are doulas, et cetera, et cetera, or actual people that work in, in organizations like the NHS, for example, that share these things with me. And I don't speak about these things so loudly because there's a lot that I don't um, that I myself don't really know. And it's just a part of the conversation that I personally don't go out there exploring it, trying to find out certain things. And at the same time, because I do have a lot of people that work in the medical field, I do have a lot of friends that are in the LGBT community. I, I, I know a lot of people that bring these conversations to me and I'm always so open to hear what's happening. But the most interesting thing is that for most people, they feel as if they can't even speak about their own subjective experience, which is why I wanted to really put that question forward. Are other people entitled to how you use your voice or how you tell your story or to your worldview or to your subjective experience? And the short answer is no, no, no. Why? Because it's very entitled to believe that you need to be included in someone's subjective experience. It's very, very, very entitled. Really think about this. And this is a point that I also like to make often, that there are seven and a half billion people in the entire world, more than that. 
But seven and a half billion people in the entire world and every single person has their own worldview. They have their own subjective experience. They have their own story of how they were brought into the world. They have their own hardship, you know, the adversity that they've seen in their lives, but they also have the joy. They also are from very different environments. You know, you could have one person that has moved around in the same country maybe over 20 times and met different types of people and been through different things. They've loved, they've lost, they've been hurt, they've, you know, voted, they have spent money, they have just done all of these things that shape their own subjective worldview. And everyone has a story. Everyone has a story that sort of makes them them, but there are a a zillion stories within one person. And to be so entitled, and again, I want to make this very clear. I'm not talking about throwing the idea of being inclusive out of the fucking window, because that would be stupid. That would be just ridiculous. That's not what we're talking about. And I want to encourage you to not tune into your binary thinking right now to think, well, if Africa is saying this, then she must mean this. No, what I am saying is what I mean don't try and read in between in between the lines and create your own story try and listen to what i am actually saying this is not about throwing the idea of being inclusive out the window this is saying hey if we have come to a point where we're finding ourselves being entitled to how people use their language to refer to themselves and th- this isn't just for this isn't just for the people that are thinking oh africa is probably talking about that, those people no it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to look at ourselves, all of us to look at ourselves, because if you get to tell your story, your subjective experience and, and the language that you choose to use to describe yourself and your worldview, then other people get to do the same. Then other people get to do the same. But I've been hearing things like this, I would say for the past three years, especially, and the story that I wanted to share that um, resonated with me when H was sharing this is that I don't know if many of you know, and if you, if you've listened to previous episodes, then you would know this, or if you've been part of my work or part of anything that I've been doing publicly for the past six years, you will know that I used to have a sexual wellness company slash brand called the cherry revolution and the cherry revolution. And I still have it by the way, and I plan on relaunching it, but let me, let me paint you the picture here. So this was founded in 2017 and it was a sexual wellness company that was really advocating for women's pleasure, removing, removing shame from women's sexuality. Um, And it's something that really took off at a time where not many people were having really raw and honest conversations, but, but, uh, productive conversations about sexuality and it wasn't surface level sort of sexual liberation it was really addressing the the very real shames that women experience and women's sexuality has been shamed for oh my gosh for uh, millennia millennia it's etched into the fabric of societies all over the world And this is something that I feel very, very passionately about. And when I got sober, I had to deal with my own own sexual shame. And I started sharing my story um, in the same vein that I did in just talking about my struggle to get sober. I started sharing 
the sort of things that were coming up around sex and who I was as a woman, who I was as a sexual being, um, some of the things that I had done in blackouts that made me feel so much shame, how I had kind of used sex as a way to experience closeness and talking about how I I reconnected with myself through self-pleasure, through discovering tantra, through discovering that actually sex can be slow, it can be beautiful. Sex is not something that has to be done to me. It's something that I can experience with another person. It's something that I can experience with myself. So Cherry Revolution was founded on all of those new findings, wanting to have conversations around women's sexuality, around really understanding, really understanding all of the layers of it. And it took off. It took off. I two, I got two friends to to um, be on board with me. Rakaya, I love you. And Roxanne, I love you so much. Um, and we were doing it as a threesome for a while. And then they left to sort of pursue their own things. And I took, I took this baby on the road. Um, <laughs> I took this baby on the road. And it was brilliant. It was beautiful. And then around 20, late 2018... I started to notice a shift in something that was happening. I started to notice that when I would do panels or to be interviewed, etc., even when I was speaking about my subjective experience, my own subjective experience as a woman, I was being asked questions that were pretty much indicating that I need to be speaking about other people or including other people in my story and in what the mission of the cherry revolution was, which was to remove shame from women's sexuality. And for me, as a woman that is not a trans woman, there's a very particular experience that I have, right? A very, very uniquely different experience that I have. And those differences are beautiful. Those differences allow us to have productive conversations. Those differences allow us to understand each other. Those differences allow us to truly, truly support those communities that are marginalized because we're very clear on what it is and we understand what we're talking about and we're not conflating things, right? And this is pretty much how it was before. And I have a lot of trans friends that were supporting my work very loudly from the beginning and still are and still want the cherry revolution to fucking come back. And it will. Um, But I found that when I was having especially mainstream conversations on mainstream media or doing panels, there were people that sort of wanted me to include experiences that were not mine into my own experience. And at that time, as someone that really, really values being truly inclusive, not being performatively inclusive or include including to the point of exclusion, which I which I think is now happening a lot more. I, I started to feel very confused as to what was actually going on, but I didn't have the language for it. And I didn't want to upset. I didn't want to offend. And I was never going to offend just by asking a question. Well, you would think so, right? But I just found this happening more and more and more. And by the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I started to actually resent this beautiful thing that I'd created because I felt as if I was biting my tongue um, when I was speaking about certain things. And it was at a time where people were saying, oh, you can't use the word women. It has to be spelt women with the X. And of course, people have now decided that's that's bullshit. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't, you know, it, it, what what is it actually supposed to mean? Because women are women. If you're a trans woman, you are still a woman. We don't need a fucking X. So 
it was even in just writing a post on it came to a point where in the beginning of Cherry Revolution, I could just write and share my story, speak from my experience um, and talk about my pussy and pay attention to how you feel with me saying that word. Are you clutching your chest? Well, that's how I used to speak all the time because I was talking about it and I wanted to remove shame from that word to say, why are we so comfortable using that word when we're talking about someone being weak or it being an insult? But if a woman is actually talking about it in relation to herself and her body within the right context, of course, in a situation where it's age appropriate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because we care about social filters here, um, then why is that an issue? You know, I would explore all of these conversations and my subjective experience was the key driver. But then when I would have people overcorrecting and saying, hey, you need to be saying it this way and that, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That that's a boundary that I have to put forward. If I am talking about my experience, it is my experience. If I am talking about something in a very specific context and it's about more people than me, then I will use the language that I deem appropriate for that. But you are not going to police my language. You're not entitled to my story. You're not entitled to me feeling proud about being a woman. It doesn't take from someone else. Me feeling proud about being a woman, me talking about how my body functions in a very specific way, right? It doesn't take away from anyone else. And, but these were things that at that time, especially I was feeling and saying internally, but I was not saying it out loud. I was not overcorrecting in the way that people would say I would be as inclusive as I can, but not to a point where I'm starting to um, to water my own story so that I can include uh, a mass of people when it's actually not appropriate for that specific context. So when H sent me this email last week, that really hit me. That really hit me. And I resonated with it so much. And I just want to encourage anyone listening to this, even though that example might be so far removed from anything that you might be experiencing in your own life, No one gets to dictate your story. No one gets to dictate how you use your voice. You take responsibility for that. You apply a social filter where it's necessary, but you don't have to be policed by people that don't even know you. Often these are strangers on the fucking internet. No one ever does things like this in person, although this is starting to, I shouldn't say no one does this in person because this is actually starting to seep into people's everyday lives, depending on what group you're in. Because if you are part of any social justice communities that meet in person, if you are in university, especially if you are in work in certain corporations, maybe you do have people trying to correct your language or trying to But this is why the values episode that I did, do you know what you stand for, is so fucking important. Because depending what your value system is, what you value, even if it's uncomfortable, you can say, no, but I'm using this language because I'm speaking about myself. Maybe it would be different if I was referring to other people, but I'm telling my story, right? So if it's your birth story and your journey, you get to talk about that. You get to talk about it. You get to talk about it because reasonable and sensible people would never call you transphobic, for example, for you telling your own birth story and talking about what your journey has been like and what your experience has been. 
Because when we do that, we're just erasing a group of people that have been that have been truly, truly oppressed as well for as long as we have known humans to exist. And that that is something that I won't um, something that I won't get behind. I am awful. I've said this again. There's so many things that I repeat often because repetition really is power. There are so many things that I stand for. I do stand for progress, but what some people label as progress is not always progress for everyone to be spoken about, right? I am someone that wants things to change. There are so many systems and ways of being that exist in our society that just don't fucking work anymore. And we need to question those. We need to question those and have discussions around them. A lot of the time you will find we want the same thing, but we just have very different ideas about how to arrive to that point. So we need to be curious about how we're all arriving to our conclusions. We need to talk about it. But if we don't even have a clear definition of some of the language that we use, then the conversation can't even happen. And if we can't stand firm in saying things like, no, but this is my subjective experience. This is my story, which is why I'm talking about it in this way. Because it's actually very fucking irresponsible. And I realized this with Cherry Revolution. And I had conversations with some friends of mine who were also in the sexual wellness space to say, actually, it would be very irresponsible for me to think that I can speak on behalf of trans men or trans women or non-binary people. Because that is not my story. That is not my story. That is not my journey. It could do even more harm in the truest sense of harm. If I try and make myself the voice of, of their own experience, no. But I do fucking get to be the voice of my experience, that's for sure. I do. I do. Because once someone takes that away from you, actually, it, it works even a step back. If you take that away from yourself first and foremost, which is why I'm always, always talking about self-censorship and the mob in your mind. If you take that away from yourself first and foremost, it'll be very easy for someone to maybe insult you, call you a name, and then immediately you drop, you drop everything you stand for and then you adopt whatever they're saying, right? And then maybe two weeks later, a few weeks later, they change their mind. The language changes. People realize that actually this didn't really make sense to begin with. What happens then? Do you sway and go along with whatever whatever the, the newest thing is? And again, let's move this away even from sex and gender. That's not even what I'm referring to specifically here. But in any area, in any area, this is why you have to know what it is you stand for, because I will say this again until I'm no longer here. No one gets to dictate how you use your voice. No one is entitled to your worldview, to your subjective experience, to the language in which you use to define and describe your experience. Oh, no, no, no. Nope. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you can do all of that from a place of respect, you can do all of that with kindness, you can do all of that with understanding, you can do all of that with openness, it's not an either or, it is not an either or, it's not, it's not, and the question that H, H, I think this episode is, is dedicated to you, I guess, <laughs> the question that H um, also posed in the email was, 
How can we all have the right to our subjective experience without demanding that other people always affirm and include it in their own experience? And I mean, I've pretty much just covered that entire question, but really, really allow that to sink in. How can we all have the right to our subjective experience without demanding that other people always affirm and include it in their own experience? And I would say one of the first things to acknowledge here is that you already by default have the right to your subjective experience. I never want you to forget that. By default, just by virtue of you being you and you actually existing and you being alive to list to be even listening to these words you have the right to your subjective experience no one else does but we make people think that they do we convince ourselves that other people do we always do that we always always do that and that's another way in which you know self-censorship really thrives in that environment where you have made yourself believe that other people are entitled to your to your worldview and and to your subjective experience and to your tongue and to to the language that you use no no and again let's please hold those multiple truths this doesn't mean that you go to the other extreme of being ignorant and being closed off to what other people suggest to what other to the new information that you come across it's not about that but it's about saying hey no this is what i stand in you're not going to deny me what my actual experience is because everyone loves to talk about fucking lived experience until sub uh, someone you don't like is actually living their experience out loud right or someone who holds a different belief system to you, which is everyone, by the way, spoiler alert, everyone holds a very different belief system to you, a very different life experience. I always use the example of me and my siblings sitting around the table with all of my family. If all of us were to sit around the table and we share the same blood and DNA, very different experiences, very different It would be very fucking entitled of me to think my sister Amanda has to represent me and and my journey and my story through her experiences. Even with some of the things, and we we were at lunch the other day with my aunt and my sister, and I was just asking questions about my dad because he he died when I was quite young, and there were a lot of things that I just want to understand and know and what his relationship was with alcohol and some of the things that I saw. Um and it was very interesting to just see how we all experienced him in a very different way even some of the very same memories as in you know us being in the same environment and seeing the same sort of situation but experiencing it so differently so differently right and it's things like that that just remind you that no we're not entitled to anyone seeing the world in the way that we do we're really not and it sounds so fucking obvious right when you say it out loud like so many things that i speak about here with you once you say it out loud you're like oh my god of course of course not of course not but in our own internal world we make ourselves the center of everything so if someone is projecting to you saying actually you can't talk about this or you should be including that in that well maybe in another context that could be true but in this specific context 
I'm speaking about myself. In this specific 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 context, I'm speaking about my own experience with this. I'm speaking about my my own joy and sadness and how my body operates and how my mind operates because of the change that's happening to me. Right? You get to talk about that. You get to talk about that. Um, and I'm, I want to finish off by reading a post that I wrote, which kind of ties into this, but I was going to read it anyway. And it's relation to it's in relation to self-censorship and another way in which you can sort of spot it. So the post reads, those who have accepted self-censorship as a part of themselves tend to work overtime to justify the punishment of those who choose to express themselves openly and without fear. Often their outrage and calls for punishment won't be based on the context of what that person is saying, the contents of what that person is saying, but the fury will be because that person is even daring to say anything at all. So to put it very simply, sometimes the very people that will be trying to police the language that you use, not even in a helpful way or to make suggestions or anything like that, but to police and control and to surveil and to to make you use the exact language that they use for whatever reason, right? Those people that we want to will want to punish you for speaking out loud, for just being curious. And I'm not even talking about we're in a time where it, you don't even have to be saying anything obscene or anything super out there. It could just be a very simple thing. And there will be someone screaming and shouting and demanding that you get punished. Usually people like this, it's because they have accepted self-censorship as a part of, the, of themselves. And to take something as a part of you is a very serious commitment to make. It's a ve- it's a very serious commitment to make, and it's one that can be really difficult to break. And, and my relationship with, with alcohol was like this. I had really taken it as a part of myself to a point where I, I found it very difficult to imagine Africa without it. My sense of self was completely shattered when I removed it and I had to rebuild. But people that have accepted self-censorship as a part of themselves, they view people that haven't as a threat. That's just kind kind of how it works anyway. Even just the basic psychology of it, you view something you don't understand as a threat or something. If you have rejected something within yourself and you come across someone that accepts that trait or that way of being within themselves, you see that as a threat. So sometimes when there are calls for, especially when it's from a very malicious and venomous place, where there are calls for punishment or to silence people or to just make sure they don't speak about a specific thing, you know, or to not even go there. It's usually because that person has accepted it as a part of themselves. So it's not even about what you might be saying or you, for example, if we go to H's example of her sharing her birth story of how, what it's like to be a mother, etc. not bringing anyone down or including anyone, just talking about her own experience. And then she gets attacked or, you know, feeds the, the mob in the mind and thinks that she'll get attacked. Those people that are attacking, it's because you're even daring to say anything at all. It's the how dare you. How dare you say these things so freely when I have silenced myself. That's also why I really don't want you to feed that mob in your mind, but also that external mob, right? 
because a lot of the time it's not even about you. It's about them. It's about them because they have rejected a part of themselves and now they see it in you. So they have to make sure that you reject it too. And you don't have to meet them at that level. You really fucking don't. You re- <laughs> Listen, you really don't. And it might be uncomfortable to stand firm in who you are, but that's why your value system is so important, but it's going to keep you rooted. You don't have to meet anyone at that level. You don't have to do it. Okay. Yeah? Not going to do it? All right, good. (laughs) I think I will. I'll leave you with that. I'm going to leave you with that because I, yeah, the moment that I received that very specific email, it just took me back to a similar experience that I had in the sexual wellness space. And I just ended up Initially, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a month break from Cherry Revolution and just come back to it with fresh eyes. And then that month became two, it became three, it became four, it became five. And then I just decided to to just close it for the time being because something was just not working anymore. And my own self-censorship was stopping me from being as creative as I had been before, just having fun with it and exploring different areas of womanhood and sex sexuality and what that meant to me. And no one was actually really stopping me, if you think about it, but just those comments and those little things really burrowed themselves into my mind like a parasite. And I, I made it a whole thing. And I told myself that, you know, I, it's just not the space for me anymore. And maybe there was truth to that. Maybe I had outgrown it in some kind of way, but I think it was just because of, of the language policing and my own experience being policed that I just couldn't be with. And it's a decision that I'm glad I made actually, because it allowed me to just take a step back and to just look at that world from the outside and to ask myself, is this where I I I see myself fitting in because I was looking at, I was studying self-sabotage through the lens of sobriety and just personal development and human behavior. And I was also doing that in sexuality and really understanding that. And even though it was my subjective story, I was also having conversations with other people and other women and trying to just really understand. And it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. But when my self-censorship reared its head, it did make me take a step back. And and now a few years on, gender and sex is one of the untouchable areas or so we're told, but it's actually causing more harm again to the people that need to be protected the most, to the people that need their stories to be heard, but also to people that have always shared their stories in a specific way and have always come together because of their experiences. So again, that everything being politicized and the division has just it means that we don't really know how to relate to each other anymore. And I think one of the antidotes to that is learning how to relate to yourself first and foremost, which is why I do this fucking podcast. Because the reason why it's called Beyond the Self, it's because we need to go beyond the surface level. We need to go beyond the ego. And again, I don't say this in a fluffy sort of way. I don't know what the (laughs) means, but I think you get it. It's about really looking at things at a much, much deeper level, a level that is usually uncomfortable, but it's a level that allows you, allows you to learn how to relate to yourself in a realistic way. Um, So I really do hope this was helpful. Share the fuck out of this episode. 
because I think it's going to be useful for a lot of people to hear. And I know that the subject that I've spoken about a little bit in here is one a lot of people are tiptoeing around, don't really know what to say. Um, and and that makes me sad. That makes me sad because a lot of this is just, it, it's talking about our our, our bodies, our minds, how we experience this world, how we're treated in this world, how we treat each other, you know. Um, but really, really start by dealing with the relationship that you have with yourself first and foremost because that is going to keep you grounded, your value system, right? If you have no idea what your values are, go to the episode that I did, Do You Know What You Stand For? And it's a very different non-rigid approach to values and it it can allow you to just make so much sense of all of these things that some of the discomfort you feel is is actually a very good thing it's a very good thing it's good to be confronted it's good to confront yourself and then to get yourself the fuck out of that um so yes share this and rate this episode if you haven't done so already rate this podcast if you haven't done so already only takes you a few seconds and if there's anything you want to share with me around entitlement around this topic that I've shared or just around any any anything that you think would be useful for me to hear or to include in future conversations send me an email hello at africabrook.com you can also send me a voice note on instagram i try to listen to as many as possible um and i always just love just hearing your voice and it's i love it i love it and screenshot this and tag me so that i can say hello Um, to see how you're listening and where you're listening from but I love you I adore you thank you for your time for your attention um, for choosing to hang out with me in this way and I will see you in the next episode